back to the David Glenn Show. Quick email. Malcolm is listening just on the other side of the border in Virginia. He says, DG, my Cavaliers finally beat rival Virginia Tech in football. How should I feel about the Hokies? You just called them the surprise basketball team of the ACC so far. How should I feel about the Hokies' visit to UVA this weekend? I assumed that would be a Cavaliers win back in the preseason, and now I'm not so sure. Well, Malcolm, thank you for listening from the other side of the border. As we go to John in Asheville, who has a very interesting question on college football, Gary wants to talk about the future of the NBA, and we do have lines open for those who want in. You steer the ship, remember. I have more on the NFL weekend that awaits us wild card style. The best matchup of the NBA weekend is actually tonight, Philadelphia at Houston. They're both among the best half-dozen teams in the league this year with the Milwaukee Bucks and the L.A. Lakers setting the pace so far record-wise. I mentioned earlier the NBA will honor the late commissioner David Stern, by the way, with armbands that will begin ASAP, maybe even including this weekend, and will continue for the rest of this regular season. Commissioner Stern, after 30 full years in that capacity, died earlier this week at the age of 77. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can be next with your question, your comment, or complaint. As always, Free For All Friday is mostly about your phone calls. John in Asheville will be next. You can follow by dialing that number. Virginia Tech is the surprise team of the ACC. Here's the bottom line as the 10-3 and three Hokies visit. Yes, I agree with Malcolm. The Cavs are not as good this year. I mean, they won the national title last year. I mean, you, you have to factor in some step back the year after you send three of the most important players in the history of your school to the NBA, right? DeAndre Hunter and Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome. There is no such thing as not having a drop-off after the first NCAA title in program history and sending those three dudes, would it be an exaggeration to say that they affected every offensive possession and every defensive possession in close games that the Cavs played for the entirety of last season, right? I mean, one or more of those three impacted basically every important possession at both ends. Of course there was going to be a step back. So the Cavs are only 19th in the nation. Here's the bottom line. The Hokies are going to have a hard time sustaining their success, and here's why. They're not very big, they're not very experienced, and they kind of play a college basketball version of Russian roulette, meaning that Mike Young, their new coach, formerly of Wofford, he was really good there at, with, as the leader for 17 years of what was often the best team in the Southern Conference. Mike Young, you know, mid-season ACC Coach of the Year. You can check out my ACC Power Rankings right now by visiting accsports.com. You can check out my ACC mid-season awards, including Vernon, Vernon Carey Jr. of Duke as my mid-season Player of the Year, Mike Young of Virginia Tech as my mid-season Coach of the Year. Russian roulette, I mean, the Hokies are just told, listen, guys, we don't have a low-post scorer. So we're not going to throw it down just because he's a big guy and watch him fumble the ball and turn it over. We're going we're gonna to recognize who we are, and what we have is an all-ACC emerging talent named Landers Nolly II. Dude can flat-out light it up offensively, including from three-point land. He's the best player and maybe the only truly special player that the Hokies have right now. Six of Mike Young's top nine players are freshmen. So... It's going to be a journey. They're better than expected. They beat Michigan State. I th I'm wishing them well. I just think it's going to be hard to sustain 
this sort of rising star narrative that has been in play to this point because they're so young, because they lack size, because they lack experience. But when you play a team that just keeps launching threes and they're shooting like almost 40% from three-point land, it's not that they don't have guys that can hit threes. That's really all they have going for them. So they're going to have trouble on the boards. They're going to have trouble on defense. The Cavaliers under Tony Bennett play that pack line defense. And even after that exodus, they lost not only those three NBA guys. Remember Jack Salt, the big dude that stood in the back of the pack line? He's gone as well. He was a senior last year. Despite losing four of your five starters, do you know what UVA is out of 353 teams in the, the uh, defensive efficiency rankings? One. They're first again. Now, they're a shadow of themselves offensively because their most skilled players moved on, and Mama D. Diakite is still that for the Cavaliers, but he needs more help offensively. So is it impossible for the Hokies to go to Charlottesville and beat the Cavs at JPJ? No, it's not impossible. But if I know that what makes the Hokies most dangerous is three-point shooting, you can bet that that's going to be in Tony Bennett's defensive game plan for UVA. Those are smart kids who ex execute his game plans really, really well. So either the Hokies are going to make it rain from three and shock the world the way they shocked Michigan State, or it's going to be the Cavaliers reminding everybody that they're the more established program, they have more experience, they even have more overall talent than this year's uh, Hokies have. Diakite, of course. Jay Huff of Durham is a really good player at forward for the Cavaliers as well. Kihei Clark is a great defender and their sophomore point guard. The Hokies are a really fun story, but I, I like your Cavaliers against them as there are seven head-to-head -head ACC matchups gracing the schedule tomorrow. John in Asheville joins us now. You can be next by dialing 1-800-849-2761. John has college football on his mind. Welcome to the program. Go right ahead. Hey, DG. Hey, man, what's uh, going on? Grateful you're on up here in Asheville. Um, I'm a Wake fan, was certainly disappointed that the news about Jamie Newman going in the portal to transfer, but yeah. could understand he wants to better his position for the NFL. Who do, who do you think the top prospects are for his transfer? Well, I, this bothers me a little bit because I think I already know where he's going. Now, I'm not saying write this in stone, you know, in blood, but I think he's going to end up with the Oregon Ducks. And for those who don't know, uh, Jamie Newman had a breakthrough season at Wake Forest this year. I mean, he was absolutely off the charts in some offensive categories. And in a league where, you know, Trevor Lawrence of Clemson gets some pub, the freshman at Carolina, Sam Howell, deservedly as well, got some great publicity. Bryce Perkins was the dual threat for UVA as they made their run to the ACC title game. And to a degree, Jamie Newman was lost in that shuffle. If there were four spots for all ACC quarterbacks, you know, he would have had one of those four. He was really that good. What bothers me is not, and it's refreshing to me to hear John say, not every Wake fan, not go beyond Wake. Most Wake fans I know are the more reasonable people I've ever met in the world of fanatical fans. Most do not like the idea. Wait a minute. We, Wake Forest, helped you in-state quarterback Jamie Newman that a lot of people had a lot of questions about. We, Dave Clawson and his offensive staff, helped turn you into this monster and now you're just gonna sneak out the side door and play somewhere else for your senior year there's there's something that 
causes indigestion about that. So I celebrate John for basically cheering, you know, his team's star quarterback on his way out the door. It does bother me that I know he's probably going to end up at Oregon because what that means is that the Ducks had to be tampering with Jamie Newman. And, and although the rules have changed, for example, Jamie Newman, I think last year was the first year you could do this. There was enough anti-NCAA criticism and enough the players don't have enough freedom criticism that a year ago, a little bit more than a year ago, they adopted a new rule. Believe it or not, the old rule was that you had to ask your current school for permission to talk to another school so that they could even think about offering you a scholarship. So Jamie Newman would have had to go to Wake, go through this process, and then open the door for Oregon or anybody else to contact him. They changed the rule about a year and a half ago, and now they have the transfer portal. And basically, you tell your school, I want to go into the portal. That doesn't mean I'm automatically leaving. I just want to go into the portal. Within 48 hours, they have to basically activate you into the portal. That puts the whole world on alert. If you're interested in Jamie Newman, let them know, right? How, on the same day that Jamie Newman or I guess Dave Clawson made the announcement technically. Uh, on the, how on the same day Jamie Newman had the news become public did I already know he was going to end up at Oregon? Well, because somebody had to send some message to somebody prior to the portal thing. Um, now, I don't know. Maybe other schools will become involved. But if you just watch, perhaps, senior quarterback Justin Herbert and he had a chance to go pro a year ago, remember. He decided to stay for his senior year with the Ducks. Maybe you watched the Rose Bowl. As Oregon, led by Justin Herbert, beat Wisconsin for the Rose Bowl championship. Now, of course, as a senior, Justin Herbert is eligible for the NFL draft. I'm not as high on him personally as some others are, but all it takes is one team to fall in love with you. Justin Herbert is expected to be, by the Mel Kuypers and others of that ilk, to be a top 10 pick in the first round. So if you're Mario Cristobal, you're losing your senior star quarterback. I don't know what Oregon has elsewhere on their quarterback depth chart, to be candid. But we all know what Jamie Newman can do. Dude, he, he is a linebacker-sized guy that can hurt you with his legs and kill you with his arm. I mean, he's got a, he's got a little Cam Newton-type skill set to him. Just enormous. Like, even in the running game, he's not doing pirouettes around tacklers. But he's so big that if you even have a defensive end tackling him, Jamie Newman falls forward like three yards. You see those long, long, I mean, the longest I've ever seen run pass options with Jamie Newman at Wake Forest? Like, he holds the ball in the belly of the running back for what seems like an eternity. Like, as long as I've ever seen that fake executed by anybody at any level. And then sometimes he tucks and runs. Sometimes, of course, he leaves it for Cade Carney or whoever. But he made all sorts of big plays downfield. His downfield accuracy. Think about that. You're built like a linebacker. You can run over people at the college level. And yet your downfield passing was some of the best in all of college football. He and Sam Howell actually were some of the best deep ball throwers in all of college football. So Oregon knows this. Again, I don't know who backed up Justin Herbert. Maybe they knew that they didn't have the guy waiting in the wings. So take a look around. Oklahoma has gone from Baker Mayfield to transfer Kyler Murray 
to Alabama transfer Jalen Hurts in Lincoln Riley's system, in part because everybody knows what Lincoln Riley has done with a multitude of quarterbacks, and they're not all cookie-cutter same-type guys. They're different sizes, different styles, and you know he waves his magic wand, and it works. Well, Oregon has a chance. It's, it's becoming a special program under Mario Cristobal, and you all know how much respect I have for Dave Clawson at Wake Forest. Around here, the question is going to be, well, Jamie, why, why didn't you think you could just have a great senior year with the Demon Deacons? Nationally, and most of my relatives and friends live elsewhere in the world, nationally the, the observation is, well, of course he has a better chance to be on a big stage, surrounded by more NFL players, on a roster that has a partnership with Nike that gives you even more exposure, right? Oregon, Phil Knight, et cetera. Cool uniforms, but also even more dudes to throw to, although the, the skill players at Wake Forest were pretty darn good. The, the outside analysis includes Wake ain't taking you, I mean, not to a Rose Bowl technically, duh. Doesn't work that way, but you know the deal. Wake ain't taking you to one of these New Year's Six-style bowl games. Now, that's not theoretically impossible, but Wake Forest football history includes only a couple of ACC titles, much less moments in the true national spotlight, right? So, Jamie Newman somehow, some way, legal, illegal, tampering or not, found out that Oregon was interested in him. Again, I'm not guaranteeing that he ends up with the Ducks, but just let's just say that I'll be surprised if he is not wearing an Oregon uniform this coming year good news for wake if you're looking for a silver lining remember that sam hartman is a former starting quarterback i mean jamie newman became a starter at wake only when sam hartman got hurt last year remember that not this past season the previous season so he's an in-state guy jamie newman he has exceeded everybody's expectations it's kind of sad for us in this neighborhood that we won't get to see him play in his senior season for the deeks but uh, I, I wasn't sure what to read into Dave Clawson's announcement. It certainly wasn't filled with smiley faces. You know, my superstar quarterback who could set records here at Wake next year if he stayed on what was a bowl team again this year. It's not like the Deeks are slouches, right? What have they gone to? Four straight bowls, winning three of them under Dave Clawson? I mean, it's a good program compared to Oregon or some others that have been in the national spotlight a lot more often. Maybe not. Um, I think that's what's behind Jamie Newman's desire to perhaps follow Justin Herbert as a guy who can use the Ducks platform and the Ducks offense and the Ducks visibility on their way to maybe even, in Jamie's case, first-round draft status as well. 1-800-849-2761. Darren Gant joins us live in 45 minutes on all things NFL. We have the Bills at the Texans and the Titans at the Patriots tomorrow. We go all NFC on Sunday with the Vikings at the Saints and the Seahawks visiting the Eagles. More of my thoughts on NFL wildcard weekend. More updates on the Panthers coaching search. Ron Rivera has a new job in Washington, but the Panthers have at least four known coaches of interest. More on those targets of David Tepper. Gary wants to talk about the future of the NBA. Others want back in on the Devils, the Heels, the Pack, or other college basketball. You can be next with your question or comment. I'm headed to the Canes game tonight as they host the mighty Washington Capitals of Alex Ovechkin. Pucks available for conversation, too. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can be next on the David Glenn Show. 
Coach Lou Holtz is joining us. What can you tell us about those four seasons in Raleigh? Everybody from North Carolina calling us Moo You and Agriculture You. And I remember walking in the press conference saying, I want everybody in the state to understand agriculture is better than no culture. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Gary wants to talk about the future of the NBA. Others want in on the NFL wildcard weekend. More on the Carolina Panthers. Four known coaches of interest, Mike McCarthy, Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniel, and Baylor head coach Matt Rule, who again does have an NFL background in addition to what he's done as the head coach of the Baylor Bears of Big 12 country. Bienemy is available this week for an interview because the Chiefs are on a bye. Josh McDaniel is Josh McDaniel is not available because the Patriots are hosting the Titans tomorrow night. One more fun fact from that matchup as we come back to your phone calls. Again, you steer the ship. You pick the topics. We have more on the NFL, more on college basketball, the NBA, college football, the Carolina Hurricanes, and the NHL. You can be next with your question or comment, one 800 4-9-2-7-6-1. Last time the New England Patriots had to play on Wild Card Weekend, don't we get used to them just hosting the second weekend of the NFL postseason? Well, they are hosts tomorrow night. And the Titans, by the way, are dangerous. Ryan Tannehill has shocked the world. Other than the Lamar Jackson story, and we got to wait till next week to see more of him because the Ravens have a bye. But Ryan Tannehill leading the NFL with a passer rating of 117.5 in a league where Lamar Jackson and Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers and a lot of others are doing really good things. That is as big of a whopper of a headline besides Lamar Jackson as I've seen this year. Derrick Henry of the Titans led the NFL in rushing, and he's going to be a load for a New England team that has been good on defense. Their issues have been more offensively. A.J. Brown, the Titans wide receiver, the rookie out of Ole Miss, 1,000 yards plus receiving and as many like big plays, 50-plus yard plays, as almost anybody in the NFL at the wide receiver position. So the Titans at the Patriots sounds like something that you would just want to write in ink. Yeah, of course, New England's not going to lose at home in the wild card round. They have not had to deal with wild card weekend since 2009. I mean, it's one thing if you're not making the playoffs. They're in virtually every year, and they haven't had to deal with this amateurish stuff in more than a decade. 1-800-849-2761. More fun facts on the four matchups of the weekend. Vikings at Saints, Seahawks at Eagles, Bills at Texans, Titans at Patriots. 1-800-849-2761. I will tell you why, even though Duke and NC State and UNC We'll all be favorites in college basketball tomorrow. You should not assume a victory in any of the three cases. Before I launch into more detail, I just want to remind you, Duke is the number two team in the polls. Duke and Ohio State are the only two teams in the country out of 353 in Division I men's basketball. The Devils and the Buckeyes are the only two that fit a description that often ends up applying to the national champion. Now, it's only early January, so I'm not crowning anybody yet to steal the Denny Green line. If you're top 10 efficiency on offense and top 10 efficiency on defense, that is not easy to do. You are, by definition, one of the best candidates to win the whole thing. The only two teams in America that fit the description right now, and it changes game by game, week by week, 
are Duke and Ohio State. And, of course, they're both nationally ranked, and they both have beautiful records. Dot, 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 Duke lost at home to Stephen F. Austin this year. That happened with these players, right? So anything can happen. Yes, Duke is favored at Miami tomorrow. NC State is favored at Clemson. My current ACC power rankings have the Tigers of Clemson last. Number one in football, dead last in basketball. Georgia Tech will be an underdog in Chapel Hill against the Tar Heels. But any this is, a, this is a season, nationally it's worth reminding everyone, six different teams have had the number one ranking in the AP poll. Never happened in the history of college basketball until this year. So there's more variety even at the top. Beyond that, when you know Pitt beats Florida State, one of the best teams in the ACC, but loses to Nichols State, a middling team from a middling conference, like something's weird. It's just different. So do I think Duke's better than Miami? Do I think State's better than Clemson? Do I think Carolina's better than Georgia Tech? Yes and yes and yes. Do I think that means you should assume a victory tomorrow? No and no and no. It's a new 20-game conference schedule, remember. Nobody's going 20-0. I don't care how much you like Louisville or Duke or any of the other contenders. And I'd be surprised if anybody's up there in that, you know, 18-2 and two neighborhood. You, who knows? It's still early, but they're resuming conference play. Remember, because of the launch of the ACC Network, they played a handful of conference games earlier than usual this year. So tomorrow, with 14 ACC teams playing seven games head-to-head, it's, it's essentially the ramping up. Conference play in earnest, if you will. There's going to be an upset or two or more tomorrow. It's just... That way, when I do my power rankings, sometimes I'm thinking, man, number seven really could end up at number 14, and number 14 really could end up at number seven, which means the team that's body of work suggests it's second last, second to last in the whole league, could has enough potential that if you go all the way up to seventh, you're probably an NCAA tournament team. That, that's how weird it is. Not so much at the top. Duke and Louisville, to me, are a, a by themselves at the top. After that, if you told me you like Florida State, I'd say, yeah, I get it. If you told me you like NC State, I'd say, I get it. If you say you like UVA, their defense is there already, their offense will come around, I'd say, yeah, I get it. If you said you think the Tar Heels once Cole Anthony returns, assumedly by the end of January, you think they're going to just keep getting better because of Roy Williams' track record and younger guys improving, et cetera, I'd say, yeah, I get it. Everybody I just mentioned, I think, is an NCAA tournament caliber team assuming no more bad health issues. But after that top five or six, it's a guessing game, folks. Everybody else could be next to last, or everybody else has the ability to rise at at the least to the middle of the pack. Gary, welcome to Free For All Friday. Go right ahead. Yes, David. Happy Thanksgiving <laughs> and goodbye, Newman. <laughs> yeah, how, how did you feel as a Wake fan about, uh, yeah, what Newman is usually kind of a greeting on Jerry Seinfeld. This was this is more of a goodbye, Newman. Yeah, indeed. Did it bother uh, you? It, it doesn't bother me. Was I glad to see it? Obviously, no. Right. But That's kind of how I feel. I mean, I'm happy for the kid, but, you know, it just feels weird. I just hope he will eventually make it to the NFL with a team that will allow him to show his talent at that level. Yeah. And so, uh, I have a question for you. 
you have very effectively eulogized David Stern in recent days. Thank you. And his wonderful contribution, uh, particularly in making the NBA an international entity. Yeah. Do you feel like there is the potential that a next step might be the inclusion of individual franchises in what might be a World Basketball Association as opposed to an NBA? Yeah. For example, with the popularity that could be found in Barcelona, in Buenos Aires, and some other international locations. Uh, it's an interesting question. You know, my bottom line answer, I, I often say I'm not going to be in sports radio when I'm 60 years old. Uh, and so I don't know if I'll still be in sports media by that point, but what you're forecasting, and I think it's a very intelligent question, I don't believe will happen in my time covering sports, meaning what well, we just turned to 2020. You know, let's say I cover sports through the 2020s, but I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to be doing something else by 2030. I can promise you that. And who knows, maybe that fork in the road comes even sooner than that. But regardless, to answer your question, I don't think we're close enough technologically and in other ways to get there with any of the bigger leagues that we follow. And one complication for any sport where you play a lot of games just imagine the difficulty of air travel if you were the one team or two teams based in Europe and the overwhelming majority of the NBA games that you had to play were based in the United States or I guess North America, you know, given that some of our sports are already truly North American with both American teams and Canadian teams. It's, it's not as hard to foresee, say, someday the NFL. The NFL, shorter seasons, right? Not as many games. Only eight road trips in the regular season for the NFL. We've already seen regular season games in London in that league, for example. I could foresee the extension of the North American concept where, you know, the Toronto Raptors of the NBA just won it all and they're located north of the border. They are a Canadian team. I could see an extension in the NFL or more in the NBA. Of course, the NHL has had... Uh, hockey north of the border for a long time. I could see the North American branch for for several sports, I- including you know Mexico, and maybe at some point Mexico City or somewhere else gets an NFL franchise. The trickier part about going really global is if you're playing an 80 plus game regular season, man. Current, you know, it's you never know what future technology brings. You know, our my grandparents grew up in a world where very people, very few people flew at all, right? Like, just the concept of regular citizens flying was not a part of my grandparents' reality. So think of how far we've come in two generations. Now, my parents, it was different. My generation, it's different. And my children are like, well, yeah, we just, we just flew to London with our mom and dad the other day, you know? It's, so that's different. So what will it look like? Will, will air travel improve that much. I can tell you, I mean, I'm not complaining. I got to go to London with my family, but to and from there, business travels will tell you, I think, especially changing time zones, changing continents, it takes a lot out of you. And in the athletic world, they got to manage West Coast to East Coast trips. Have you ever seen some of the Vegas data 
on teams that are changing time zones or you know their body clock is still asleep at the time of the kickoff or the tip-off. There's some really interesting betters advantages when you play the game of just how human beings react from West Coast time to East Coast time, especially not as much in the other direction. So those things have to improve for the NBA to continue to extend Dave, you know, David Stern's dream, if you will. It is true that in David Stern's 30 years as the NBA commissioner, you know, the, the number we gave earlier this week, TV revenue went from 10 million a year to 900 million a year. I mean, that's just astronomical. But they also played 150, roughly, international games. So it was on his radar from the Dream Team in 1992 at the Olympics, sharing the best of the NBA with the world. You know, David Stern in 1984 took over a league that wasn't even mesmerizing its own citizens in the United States. Then more and more games got on TV. He rode the Lakers-Celtics rivalry. He rode the arrival of Michael Jordan. But he was willing to share through the Dream Team and through more and more international games on foreign soil the best of the NBA. And, you know, I told the story of Manu Ginobili saying that as a child, for the first time, his native Argentina broadcast NBA games. And it might be on with, like, Saturday morning cartoons or it might have been on tape delay or at weird times of the day. But David Stern had the foresight in that example. I read that he sold, I think it was Adrian Wojnarski wrote about the story that he sold NBA TV rights to the nation of Argentina or whoever its biggest broadcaster is for $2,000 a year. $2,000 a year. I mean, that's barely worth putting on paper by the mega million standards even of the NBA in the 1980s. But what did it do beyond the NBA collecting a measly $2,000? It planted the seeds in a young Manu Ginobili that he not only grew up wanting to be a pro basketball player, he grew up specifically hoping to be an NBA basketball player. And Yao Ming in China became that doorway to Asia. And South American examples, European examples, have just exploded. We've had the highest percentage of European and foreign players in the NBA within this last decade or so by far than what it was than when David Stern took over in 1984. Is the next step someday going beyond North America? Probably yes. Right now, I think the smarter money is on the NFL pulling that off. Again, eight road trips rather than 40 road trips. Would you want to be a player on the one team in Europe? I mean, on the one hand, there's some pretty cool cities in Europe. Or maybe whenever they expand NFL or NBA or otherwise. You know, again, North American expansion is easier Truly international expansion gets really complicated, at least the way the world looks in 2020. I could see an upside to being on one of those handful of European teams. You know, team in London, team in Paris, team in Madrid or whatever. You know, those road trips aren't all that cumbersome, and you get to live in three of the coolest cities in the world. But what if the other 30 games on your away schedule involve just the wear and tear of those long road trips. I mean, they're still mega millionaires, but you got to manage your body to a degree that people aren't too, too concerned about the competitive disadvantage. And I just don't think we're there yet. 
1-800-849-2761. Always good input and questions from Gary. You can be next with your question, your comment, your complaint. I have more on the NFL matchups of the weekend. I have more on the college basketball weekend that awaits us, ACC and otherwise. You can be next with your question or comment. Darren Gant joins us live in 25 minutes on all things NFL. You can be next with your call at 1-800-849-2761. Next on the David Glenn Show. I don't want those damn dookies rooting for us. They've hated all year long. Let them go right on hate. If the situation were reversed, I would hope they would lose by a hundred. You're in fantasy land if you ever think NC State's going to make it back to the national championship game. So just forget that right now. Go to hell, Carolina. Go to hell. Keeping the peace in NC on the David Glenn Show. It's a good homestand if you make it right. If you win the games or, you know, do do well. So it's important for us to obviously get off to a good start and then uh, maintain it here this month. I mean, we're here basically the whole month. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Free For All Friday. As we go to Jason in Raleigh and you, questions, complaints, prognostications, all fair game, as long as it has to do with sports and or this radio show, your input is welcome and encouraged and celebrated. one 800 849 2761. That was the voice of Canes coach Rod Brindamore. I will see you there tonight as the Red Hot Hurricanes host the mighty Washington Capitals and Alex Ovechkin. Just beat the Caps not too, too long ago. They get a shot to do it again tonight. They also host the Lightning on Sunday. I will see you there at PNC once again on Sunday. Don't forget to enter the Canes with DG contest. We have weekly winners, two lower level tickets for you and a friend or family member. And if you win the grand prize, that means you get my four personal on-the-glass seats to a game later here in the 2020 season. Just post a photo on Twitter that has any kind of a Canes-related theme. And don't forget, you have to use the hashtag to win, Canes with DG. I am DG. These are my seats. Canes with DG is how you can win. Be creative. You can be randomly selected as a weekly winner or a grand prize winner. But I personally enjoy the creativity Cute kids, photos with Stormy. Never hurts to mix in the Storm Squad with your Canes-related photo or theme. You can jump in on Twitter at CanesWithDG at any time. Remember, enter soon because week-to-week prizes go quickly and the grand prize will be announced by the end of January. Jason and Raleigh, welcome to the David Glenn Show with the voice of Rod Brindamore echoing in my head as the Canes host those two really talented opponents this weekend. As we glance forward in 2020... If you wanted the safest bets for someone in our state to do something truly great on a national scale, you know who the two best candidates are? The Duke basketball Blue Devils of Mike Krzyzewski. Maybe they win it all. Maybe they don't, but they're a candidate again. He's had other great teams that did win it all. He's had other great teams that fell short. He had a team in 2010 that wasn't all that amazing by Duke standards, and yet they did win it all under Mike Krzyzewski. Could it be ring number six for Coach K here in 2020, or could it be another fun playoff run for Rod Brindamore and those Carolina Hurricanes? They're not the only two in-state teams that have high hopes for 2020, but to me, they are the top two teams on the list, even as we look at all sports together. Jason, welcome to Free For All Friday. Go right ahead. Hey, David. Thanks for having me on. I'm a long-time listener and a big fan. So Thank you. Really appreciate you having me on. Good to have you. Good. So I just wanted to call up, follow up on that last caller really quickly. I know you guys were discussing whether the NBA could ever expand, and I do appreciate and agree with you that logistically it would be a challenge. 
So I do think there's a way to overcome some of the logistic challenges. If you look at a typical NBA team today, they usually play about 14, 14 or so games a month. And I think if there was a big European expansion, for example, if you got two teams in London. I like how you're thinking, Jason. France, you're on to something. teams in Italy. If you had where, where you had 16 or so teams, then now an NBA team can go to Europe for a monthly tour, play about 14 games, and then each of those teams in Europe could do the same thing. So I don't have all the numbers worked out because literally no, I just heard I like the way caller. you're thinking, man. I don't know if you're a CEO or a CFO or a COO, but you will be someday. And there's a couple variations even of your idea. I, I think you're absolutely right that adding the one franchise, and this could apply to the NFL expanding to Europe as well. If you have several, well, then they've got to, you know, it's a division or whatever, right? What if you had four or five, right? And they, and they play each other twice every year. Well, there's a chunk of your schedule. Now you're cutting down on North America to, to Europe travel and Europe to North America travel in return. And most American-based teams would, would not face the jet lag and the complications and the logistical issues. Another possibility, because I like your NBA thinking here, what if you just rebranded? A lot of what is going on in Europe right now under the NBA umbrella. Now, that would be a power struggle, right? Just like European soccer. Man, I couldn't even tell you all the cups that they compete for. Like, you, of course, you want to, if you're based in the UK, you want to win the Premier League as a soccer franchise. But you're also in the Champions League, and you're also eligible for the World Cup, and you're also eligible for the Euro League. It's like you're chasing, like, in any given year or period of years, you're chasing like a half a dozen cups. And they do it in basketball to a degree as well. So there would be a power struggle. You would have to knock out whoever runs that umbrella in Europe. You know, the, the, there's the nation-by-nation nation leagues, but they also have the European championship, et cetera. Could you get to the point where the NBA brands both and the domestic winner, the North American winner of the NBA, has to play the European NBA, you know, the NBA Europe champion in some kind of global Super Bowl of basketball. Like, that is absolutely manageable logistically because maybe you play each other a little bit, but, like, as you said, each, each European-based team would only have one long road trip to America, and each American-based team would have only one long road trip to Europe, and you'd mostly stay within your own continent but then the champions, instead of East versus West or AFC versus NFC, et cetera, you'd have North American champion against European champion, and you would limit the international travel by having, I don't know, what's the number of teams now? You get to the point where there's 16 teams in Europe, maybe, to go with the 30 or so here. I, I see possibilities in that. Can we get Jason and Raleigh on the payroll? That's good thinking, man, because I'm halfway to Margaritaville on a Friday afternoon. That's really good work by you. Well, thank you. Thanks. Get him on the payroll. Thanks for calling, Jason. Appreciate you listening. Uh, speaking of halfway to Margaritaville, did you see that Jimmy Buffett uh, is coming to North Carolina? There have been years, Darren, where he skips our state entirely yeah. over my fiery objections. <laughs> He's not getting any younger. It's one of my all-time favorite performers. He is officially coming to what we, I think, still call Walnut Creek. Is that what it's, it's still called? Coastal Credit Union Music Thank Park you. at Thank Walnut you. Creek. See, if they were a show sponsor, I'd make sure that yeah, I get no, all those but Otherwise, people know what you're talking about. Yeah, Walnut Creek, the outdoor amphitheater. 
uh, Jimmy Buffett and the Coral Reefer Band will be here is in April? April 18th. It's a Saturday. It's already on your calendar, isn't yeah. it? No, we discussed this. Yes. It's, it, that's Enjoying a Jimmy Buffett concert with the Glenn family is like a, it's like a bucket list coronation of our friendship item. I'm not sure how many things are left on our personal and professional relationship bucket list. Yeah. But a Buffett concert. It's got to be one. And how many more years is he going to perform? I don't know. <laughs> so you can't skip out. You, you got to dodge like an ESPN3 assignment. I will spring for everybody's tickets to see Jimmy Buffett. Everybody. <laughs> All listeners to this program right now who want to join. No, I can't quite go that far. <laughs> but I think we're going to gobble up a couple dozen tickets and turn it into quite the extravaganza in mid-April right here in the great city of Raleigh. More on that later. My mind is stuck on halfway to Margaritaville. It is Friday afternoon. We are wishing everybody a happy new year. We will have our one and only guest of this free-for-all Friday. Darren Gant from NBC Sports will help us pick over the four wild card matchups that await us tomorrow and Sunday. Otherwise, it's you and me, and it's more of your phone calls, 1-800-849-2761. Great college basketball weekend. Of course, fun-filled playoff action in the NFL. A lighter weekend in college football. Remember, LSU versus Clemson is still 10 days away, but some great hockey action right here in our backyard with the Canes hosting the Capitals tonight and the Lightning on Sunday. I will see you at both games. More on those topics, some NBA as well, with more of your calls. 1-800-849-2761, next on the David Glenn Show. The great difference between sport and capital E Entertainment and capital S Sport is that we don't know the outcome. And that feeling of uncertainty, positively or negatively, is unique. We are quoting Bob Ryan the way I would quote, you know, Aristotle or Confucius. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Hour number three will include, of course, more of your phone calls in the spirit of Free For All Friday. It will begin with our one and only guest of the day. Darren Gant is one of our favorites on the NFL. He does great work for NBC Sports and ProFootballTalk.com. We have four matchups to discuss. Bills at Houston, Titans at New England, Vikings at New Orleans, Seahawks at Philly. Meanwhile, your Carolina Panthers still don't have a coach. At least four names of interest we will explore with Darren Gant. The Panthers recently found out when they will pick in the first round of this year's NFL draft. Where might they go with that pick as they have to figure out their Cam Newton situation, a new deal for Christian McCaffrey, and other important details as David Tepper is chasing his next head coach. A little bit on a lot of things, including the Dallas Cowboys moving on from that Jason Garrett guy. It's Darren Gant joining us live next on the David Glenn Show. You like college football? It's Taj Boyd. Taj, how are you? Welcome I'm to the good. show. I'm good. Dave, man, I appreciate you having me on the show. I'm excited to be here, man. I'm excited for the question that you're going to ask. Mark Richt of Georgia, please stop taking our best high school football players, but otherwise, thank you for the visit. Last thing for Virginia Tech coach Frank Beamer. So do we. The David Glenn Show. Thanks, David. Appreciate it a lot. You got it. 